This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director, going to be talking to Jeff Gold, who is known as the Prairie Christmas, I guess you, you might say. Uh, you know, we both go back on our sister station, Kello FM. How many years now? <laughs> I get asked that question. I think it's 17, 17 or 18. You know, I didn't write it down in a calendar, what at the time, but I think that's right. I think that's right. We both go back to a guy by the name of Ray Loftus. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. The voice that uh, he started the uh, holiday in, what, uh, back in the 50s or 60s? Well, so he, Ray Loftusness was a, a good promoter, and like all good promoters, he kind of like, you know, P.T. barnum a little bit. This is the story I heard, John. So he's like a high school kid during World War II, and he's working Thanksgiving, and the guy doesn't show up. And he's just sweeping the hallways, right? He's just a kid. And they said, you, play this Christmas album. Don't say anything. Well, he would count that as the first year of, uh, you know, Holiday Inn. And so then after, I don't know if he was, I think he was in the service, was he not? Anyway, he, he came back, and then when he worked at, um, hmm, I forget which radio station he worked at, but then in radio stations at that time, there'd be a guy who'd play Christmas music over a certain hour or two, and it, of course, was Ray Loftus. So he had this great voice, really was good at telling a story. And he then started Holiday Inn, which um, they would let him do, because he named it after the movie with Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, which would be a copyright infringement. Yeah. But they played music from the same, you know, the records they played were from the same group, right? So they let that slide. I am told that he was sued then, like in 1957, by the Holiday Inn restaurant, or, or, or hotel chain for copyright infringement. And then he said, no, no. And then he easily defeated that because he was well before that. He was well before that, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Ray was quite a guy. I, I remember when he first got diagnosed with throat cancer, I, mm. I, I told Ray, I said, you know, you've been kind of like a father to me. And he said, well, that happens sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, uh, he, he brought in a lot of big bands to Sioux Falls. Um, in fact, you're going to be having uh, an event coming up here at the uh, old Arcota, the Ryan Mosque. Uh, right, right. Uh, he brought in a lot of the big bands, Frank, you know, from uh, Glenn Fred Miller. Fred Waring was his yeah. particular tie, was it not? Yeah. And then he would say things like, like, of course, when you do that, you kind of happen to run in, like Frank Sinatra, right? He'll just be yeah. walking down the street. So he would kind of, yeah, I ran into Frank the other day. Well, maybe he just saw him, but he would he would talk about those. And he was very... Very good at music. He loved the music. He loved to talk about the composers and the, and the musicians. He once showed me a KELO radio copy sheet that had Frank Sinatra and Jimmy Durante and, and mm-hmm. all of those people's signatures on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. It, it, back then, Sioux Falls was kind of halfway between Minneapolis and Denver. And the trains would have to stop. Somewhere. Because, yeah. And they... Uh, they would spend overnight here, usually on a Tuesday or Wednesday sometimes, and they would play at the old Dakota Ballroom. And, uh, you know, Ray was, was kind of a hand in that. Um, he was Mr. Ray. He might say he was kind of the Bing Crosby of Sioux Falls with his voice. Yeah, yeah, and, I think uh, that's right. He had, he, had, he had that ability to, some people have it, You're they're talking on the radio, but there's such a warmth to their voice. It really feels like they're really just talking to you. Not everybody has that. It's kind of an interesting 
a quality that he certainly had. Mm-hmm. We've well, carried it on in your Prairie Christmas starting uh, last Friday, uh, of course. Uh, right. Uh, and you've had some things, I think, in winter yesterday. Uh, yeah, you- I was in. So, so here's where that went, right? So I did the show, and then I found out that many of these radio stations, you know, throughout the Midwest, their version of Ray Loftus, this was gone and nobody replaced it. Hmm. I thought, wow, I could just take this show, A Prairie Christmas, and I could syndicate it down into 24 one-hour shows, and I did. And so it's somewhere around 35 to 40 stations carry a syndicated version. And then somebody said, well, would you do it on stage? And I thought, wow, that's interesting, John, because how do you do a radio show on stage? Kind of like the guy on uh, public radio. Yeah, yeah, like Garrison Keillor, right? Yeah, right. right. And so the question is... uh, what are they are they closing their eyes and listening or is it a one man show and i used to have some theater background and i and i experimented with this thing and i i did it in 19 uh 2019 at a hamry hall at augustana and then covid hit and then the next year i started working with bob Uecker. Uh, that's a name that's familiar not the baseball bob Uecker, but he did wildwater uh no not wild uh catfish bay Mm-hmm. And some other. He ran for mayor of, once. What's that? He ran for mayor. Yeah, once. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised, yeah. right? And so, and he, he, um, he started uh, helping me with the show. And last year we were at seven places, and this year we're going to be at twelve places. So, winter, we just came from that. That was great. Uh, we'll be in Yankton coming up, and then in the Pier, and then in Madison, and Beaver Creek, and uh, and Sioux Falls. A lot of different places. Yeah. Well, I, I started in radio back in the mid-60s here after high school, and I remember uh, one of his stories that brought me to tears, and I don't know if I remember this right or not, but it was about uh, a car that was full of Christmas presents, and then somebody stole the car. Do you have any recollection mm. of, of that particular one? Because uh, his story was about how all the other people in the neighborhood then came and brought presents, uh, to restore that, in that sense. But there's a lot of stories like that that we have. This is what's great about uh, Christmas stories is mm-hmm. that some people say, well, that wouldn't happen. I said, yeah, it would happen all the time. It would happen. It would happen. It just, you know, it happens all of the time. Somebody had, I, I had a lady who uh, sent me a letter. I think it was like 1970 or so. Uh, she uh, was young. Her husband was in Vietnam and she hadn't heard from him for like six weeks. And so she's worried sick because mm-hmm. he's in combat somewhere. And his da- her dad had been diagnosed with some horrible kind of, you know, ailment. They, they were sending him to the Mayo Clinic. They didn't know if he was going to live or going to die. And she was a nurse in training, and she wasn't going to get the Christmas off. And she and Christmas, they just, they just didn't want to talk about it. It was so horrible. And then they find out that uh, one of the—somebody— wasn't going to have any Christmas because the wife was terribly sick and the dad had five little kids. And and so this is what this young gal did. She said, I'm going to make Christmas happen for them. And she called Lewis and Lewis said, yeah, here's a tree. And she called, you know, Sunshine. Yeah, here's some food. All of the Sioux Falls businesses helped provide Christmas. And they went and they, they filled this and, and she said, what was most interesting, John, I don't remember the name of the family. I don't remember the guy, but I do remember that by not focusing on me, mm-hmm. even though that was a terrible Christmas, 
it is one of my fondest memories. And isn't that true that in this area, I'm sure you could think of three or four examples where people have said, it isn't about me. Let me see if I can help somebody else. And and what's funny about that, it works best in this season. For example, I used to do uh, kind of a Christmas scavenger hunt called uh, The Amazing Grace. And it got up to be about 250 people. It was all over town. It was doing good deeds, and it was great. And somebody said, hey, do you want to do that in June? I said, sure, let's do it. Nobody got it. You know, in June, you say, you buy somebody a gift certificate, and you give it to the guy behind you in line. He goes, what's this for? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, it, well you know, if you try to, nobody understands or accepts kindness the rest of the year because they're cynical. But during this time of year, people go, oh, I get it. You're trying to be nice. And they will allow that in a way that is uh, very nice. It makes it, this is, this is what makes this is why the Christmas season is special. It's not just the Christmas music and the decorations and lawns. It's the change of attitude in people that we're going to be more caring, more more engaged. Yeah, there is a spirit. And a spirit, yes. That's that's what uh, Prairie Christmas, I think, uh, encompasses, it, it, taking it on from what Ray started. Yeah. Uh, his family. Do you still have any recordings of Ray that you... <laughs> So I knew this guy. So I don't. I forget how I ran to him. I think he's passed on. His name's Ron August. Ron, if you're listening, God bless you. He meets me and he says, "So you do a Prairie Christmas?" I said, "Yes, I do." I used to listen to Ray Loftus. I said, "Well, a lot of people did." He said, "I had back surgery in the '70s, and I had to spend 40 days on my back." Oh, no. And I listened to his show, and he opens up a Samsonite suitcase loaded with cassette tapes mm-hmm. that he bootlegged off the station. He says, here you go. I said, no, wait a minute. These aren't for me. You, you need to give them to the family. And, and I, I hope he did. He did give me he did give me one tape that I still have. At, but what was most interesting about it, and John, it just makes me laugh. I wanted to hear Ray Loftusness, but he had carefully spliced out... Oh, no. <laughs> All of his speaking stuff, so it was just the Christmas music of the 1970s, which I, you know, I could, you know, it's fine. But I wanted to hear an artist as a as a as an announcer. I wanted to hear what he said, and it was all all, all, all spliced out. Kids, uh, funny story. Kids today don't know what it was like to have to wait to hit the record button on the cassette recorder to get the song off the radio without right. the DJ talking on it. Yes, uh, right. We all did that back then. Uh, talking to Jeff Gold of Prairie Christmas, uh, which is on Kello FM, yeah. our mm-hmm. sister stations here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking on all of our stations here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But you're an author, too, and I wanted to get into this a little bit because I, I knew you had a couple books, but you got a stack of about six here. Right, it's uh, funny. It's funny, you know, I, 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 I've always thought... People have always said, well, you ought to write that down. You ought to be an mm-hmm. author. But, you know, that seems like a pretty unattainable thing. Like, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. My wife is uh, was a music director at a high school, and we went on a, ba- on a choir trip. And one of the other chaperones happened to be an author. And she was very helpful, but more importantly, very ordinary. I mean, she, was, she wasn't an impossible goal, and she was very encouraging, she told me a couple of things that 
an author writes about six, uh, 300 words a day. Well, you're a radio guy, John. A 30-second commercial is 90 words. So you go like, what? So an author only writes like 360s a day? That's easy. Easy peasy. We do that all the time. That's called, uh, that's called half an hour. And then she said a book was 65,000 words. Well, I love radio, the industry, because of the people in it. There's really some fascinating personalities. And I've met some of them, and I thought I wanted to kind of write a crime novel that takes place in a small-town radio station in South Dakota. So I did, and I thought, okay, I'm done with that. But when you read a book and you wonder what happens to the character afterwards, it turns out the same thing happens when you're the guy who wrote the book. He lives on. And so I wanted to know what happened to this other person and what happened to this person. So four books in, uh, he has moved to Sioux Falls. He's living his life. Uh, there's a fifth book out there that is halfway written. And then I wrote two other nonfiction books because, among other things, I serve as a celebrant at funerals, right? So mm-hmm. back, I, I used to work for a group of funeral homes in town, Miller and George Boom Funeral Home. And uh, I would and still do celebrant work if they don't have a pastor. And you just really learn some fascinating stories. Some of them are very beneficial about how to live your life. Like, why? Well, that's a smart idea. Or, that's not a good idea. And I wrote those in story form, three to 500 words, quick reads, coffee table books, illustrated for people in the first 25 years of life. And then I just had one like about a week ago sent to me from the printer for the second quarter of life, and then I'll do two more books for the third and the fourth quarter. Just words of insight and maybe wisdom from other people's lives that certainly have changed how I live. I I live much differently now from having spoken to all of these families and learned from their uh, experiences. Yeah, I'm working for funeral homes for so long, uh, Jeff. You get kind of a... You learned a lot of things about regrets, people, you know, that the only if I would have done this or I would have done that. In fact, that's the number one thing that changed my life. Because I say to people, I say, what is the biggest emotion at a funeral? And they guess sadness. This is no, it's regret. It's regret. And there is no time machine. In fact, I do a a series of speeches called the time machine. Mm -hmm. And I say, there's no going back. You are the time machine. If you think strategically about the next 20 years... I'm just going to tell you what those people regretted so you can learn from their mistakes. What's the biggest regret? You know, I would say, John, it is relationships with children. Because it's important to have a relationship with your spouse, but your spouse may or may not, you may get divorced or they may die. But your children will be involved in your life for the rest of your life. And to the level that you get along well or don't get along well will cause tremendous amounts of regret. And when I talk to a younger person, I plant some seeds that help them talk to somebody who is a parent and also say, and with your own kids, understand that after you're done training them, you're still going to want a relationship with them. What are you doing to have a good relationship with your adult children? And dads in particular, right? Dads are good at providing and bring home the bacon. And dads are also famous for saying, leave me alone. I worked hard all day. 
give me a break. What else do you want? And they don't realize that the child doesn't see the money and doesn't really care about the color TV or the vacation to Disneyland. What they really, really wanted was the relationship. And you didn't understand that. And now it's too late. And there is regret. Kind of the Harry Chapin song. Yes. Yes. Cats in the Cradle. Uh, speaking with Jeff Gold. Uh, Man, that's so true. The Prairie Christmas is something that um, you've been doing this for so many years, but it doesn't, you, you can't get tired of it. It's something that grows. It's got a life of its own, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, I guess what's most interesting about it is I'm wondering if I ever will get tired of it. And I think, and I'm just going to kind of do it. When we do something, we get paid. We get paid monetarily, we get paid socially, we get paid for creatively, and we get paid maybe spiritually, right? So when I do a Prairie Christmas, I do get paid an amount of money. It's not, I'm not getting rich off it. But I get social compensation. People come up to me and say, I decorate the Christmas tree listening to you. Our family takes trips and you're along, you're like a member of the family. That's, that is real social compensation. I get creative compensation because I run into people all the time and they tell me stories and I remember stories. I just have a gift for remembering stories. And I get paid spiritually well as well because I feel like I'm a little bit like a tuning fork when you hit it and it just resonates. When I'm telling a story well and it talks about Christmas, not just Santa, but also you know the meaning of Christmas, the birth of Christ, why there is real hope in this season, I just have this kind of feeling that that's exactly what I was made to do. And I don't know how long I'll do it. But uh, I also can't imagine not doing it either. Well, you and I are old enough to remember Ray Loftusness, but uh, there's a lot of people in our audience listening right now that are saying, I used to listen to this when I was a kid. Right. It's got to be in a second, almost third generation of you doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I ran into a guy who's middle-aged. I remember listening to you when I was a kid. I go, oh, that's not true. I, I, I kind of nod. Yeah. I don't know sure. But I go like, and I start doing the math. And I go, oh, oops, oops. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did. I, I, I talked to my boss the other day about things I used to do in the mid-60s in radio. And I, I, I told him, I said, there's not many people around that even remember that back then. <laughs> back mm-hmm. that but uh, uh, the stories that you tell, there's got to be one that is really kind of outstanding or meaning to you? There's many, but is there one that stands on the top of the pile? Well, the one I get asked about the most probably is, uh, I was 23 years old. I had just started my job in radio. Uh, and I wasn't going to go home for Christmas because you had to work Christmas, and I didn't have any money anyway. And I was in a small town. I didn't really know anybody in the town. Uh, okay, that's fine. I'll just have Christmas alone. That's fine. That's fine. And uh, I was going to be, you know, I was going to, that's the way I was going to be pouty about it. And people from the station said, well, you can come to our house. And I, nope, nope. Nobody was going to ruin my bad mood. Well, in the meantime, if you've ever worked in radio, you get to learn in front of everybody. And everybody is very happy to call you up and tell you all of the mistakes you made, especially in pronunciations. Well, there's this gal who lived by the radio tower at the edge of town. Her name was Lita. 
And the only station she could ever listen to was that radio station because it overpowered everything else. You could actually hear it on an aluminum chair outside her house. That's, <laughs> that's how much power it had. And so she would call up every night and tell me more things I was doing. And I just, okay, but whatever. So anyway, ah, it's Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm signing off the station and I'm saying something like, you know, Merry Christmas, obviously feeling sorry for myself. And the phone rang and it was her. Oh, okay, here we go. And she said, well, you know, sounds like you're going to be having Christmas alone. And I thought, well, yeah, at least she wasn't making a correction on my newscast, right? So I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, I know what that's like. And then she said, Merry Christmas, and she hung up. And then for the very, very first time, a 23-year-old kid stopped thinking of just himself. So there was a 7-Eleven. That was the only place that was open. And I had three bucks. And you could buy a can of cashews back then for three bucks. My car was a repository for everything. I even had a bow in there. I don't have a yellow bow, but I did. And I tied a ribbon around that. And I didn't know any place in town, but even I can find a blinking radio station at night. And at the base of that uh, tower was a little house. And there was a light on in the window and it was a long driveway and it wasn't shoveled. And I thought, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. And I parked my car and I walked in the snow and you could see your breath and I could hear my feet crunching in the snow and I could see the beautiful starscapes that we have in our state that we don't appreciate. And I walked up to the door and I knocked and I thought, I got to get out of here. This isn't right. And then all of a sudden the door opened about this much gal about yay high snow white hair bifocals light almost white blue eyes looked up at me and said yes I said I'm Jeff from the radio I gave her stuck out the can of cashews and said Merry Christmas and she looked at the can of cashews and she looked at me 23-year-old kid, beat-up jacket. And she opened the door, and she smiled, and she said, You came. You came. And so we sat at her kitchen table, and we ate those cashews, and we had a Merry Christmas. And, John, you can see, it brings tears to my eyes even this day, right? It's, yes, it's, 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 it's funny. These stories, they, they continue to affect me. They're not jokes you tell over and over again. They just bring back the power of that moment. Yeah. Well, for those in radio, yeah, you, you were getting very emotional and, and tearing up there, uh, yeah. even saying that today. Yeah. Um, I've got to say that, you know, I, it made me, it reminded me that Ray Loftus, his wife would always send down a plate of cookies on holidays because she knew that the radio people, uh, you know, had to, we were the ones that worked on those, those shifts. But, uh, and you know, that's why, that's why the stories work. Mm-hmm. It's never the story. It reminds people of their story. I don't hardly ever tell a story that somebody doesn't smile and say, well, let me tell you my story. Mm-hmm. And what that does, that story is precious to you and you haven't thought about it for a while and you take it out and you dust it off like a Christmas ornament and you say, man, that is that's a great story. That's a great memory. What is Ray's wife's name? I don't 
remember meeting her uh, that much, you know, in a sense. But, uh, you know, like I say, Ray worked in radio for many, many years. And he just had a little house over, you know, yeah. off Cliff Avenue. You know. And I had about a million kids. Yeah, yeah. I've met many of them, and they're very nice people, and they're appreciative that we always honor his memory. But she always made cookies. Yeah. Well, God bless her memory. Yeah. God bless her memory. What was the favorite cookie that she made? Oh, it was kind of a lemon oh. topped, you know. Oh, um, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, home, they're all homemade, you know. But like I say, she knew what it was like to people, you know, for people like us that worked on, on, yeah. on holidays and the weekends all the time. Well, let's talk a little bit about your books. First of all, uh, for those that heard this story, maybe there's, you know, we get, what, 7,000 new people in this town, they say, every yeah, year. right, right. That haven't heard that. Uh, when is Prairie... Christmas on KELO FM. That's one of our sister stations. If you're listening to one of our other stations, we've got a hundred stations in our group here. Right. So it's on every single day and people are, oh, I mean, weekdays? No, no, it's on every single day. I mean, seven days a week? Yes. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, between one o'clock and three o'clock. And I purposefully do it every day because I think that radio, uh, John, is not only entertaining it's not only informative but it's also companionship so when i'm i'm there you're there and that day we're just going to spend some time playing christmas music and talking and sharing the season together and that's at 101.9 fm kello fm some people stream it online i'm told that the streaming volume i don't know how they measure that triples during that time so a lot of people who have you know have trouble getting the signal, kind of glom onto it. So that's that's a nice compliment, yes. Yeah, they can tell their friends to listen to it anywhere in the world. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it brings families together. Uh, it's You know, the old days of gathering around the fire and having stories around the dinner table is, yeah. is so um, oblique to what people do nowadays. They don't have And, and what's great? Here. what's great about radio is they're listening one at a time. Mm-hmm. It's personal. And, and it's, yes, it's very personal. It's just, and so I hear, I probably, you run, you make my mascara run every year, they say. Well, that's a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and guys will say, <clears throat> I got to admit some of those, <clears throat> some, I got to, <laughs> yeah, right. Because you're moved because you don't have to worry about the guy next to you because it's just you. You're in your car, you're stopped in a parking lot, and you're just going to sit for a little bit and listen to a story. And when that happens, it's like you and I are connecting. And so I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's not really electronic. It's magic. It's 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 defies description, but it's very real, isn't it? It's the theater of the mind's eye, yeah. as they call it, because everybody can listen to the same story, and it'll be a hundred different ways the yes. way they see it, because it's yes. based on their personality, their uh, experiences. I've heard of people having to pull off the highway because they're in tears. You have to stop driving. I had, I've had people say, I love that story about the guy in the overalls. I said, what, what guy in the overalls? Well, I'm telling a story. Yeah. I never mentioned a man wearing overalls. But in their mind, the guy at the end of the hallway must have been wearing overalls. And so they have, like you say, it captures in them. Well, you're just getting started with the season of Furry Christmas and, and – uh, it's every day, but again, I want to bring up your books. Do you have a website people can go to? Oh, to see thank you, your, your, thank your you. Books? Right, so radio. We know we say mm-hmm. things in threes, right? Yep. Super simple. A prairiechristmas dot com. A prairiechristmas dot com. Don't forget the uh, yes. the a. A 
prairie. And don't forget the two R's and the two I's in prairie. Spell it correctly. If they Google it, it'll come up. Yeah, aprairiechristmas.com. And that'll be part of my website. My whole website's called ilikethatstory.net. But parked in the middle of that is aprairiechristmas.com. There'll be a, a pop-up right away that says, hey, do you want to get this newsletter? Or I send out a story every month, and it's just designed to be fun and encouraging. So it's free. Just hit that. You're fine. But if you don't want that, just scroll down and it'll show all of the places I'm going to be at and it'll show all the stuff that you can buy. And, John, I feel like my wife would love it if people would buy enough stuff so she could actually get into our guest bedroom without stumbling over cases of books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, everybody's on Amazon. They can put in Jeff Gold. Yes, they can. You've got uh, six books, uh, you know. Uh, two so, are- so I'm going to say on Amazon, you would go and look up J.J. Gould J. J. because my, my crime novels are under oh, J.J. Yeah. Gould and my other books are under Jeff Gould. Your because, pen name. Yeah, yeah, my, exactly. My yeah. I'm the plume, right, nice. Well, and to say that, yeah, you, you didn't think you could do it, and once you start doing it, you find out you yeah. can enjoy <laughs> writing, and I hope other people take that as a step to you. you got two nonfiction, you got, and the story about a murder mystery in a small town radio station yes. is so perfect uh, that... Uh, people like to read them. They tell me about it all the time. It's play, nice. Play Misty for me. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it, <laughs> play Misty for me. Clint Eastwood, my goodness. Jeff Gold, um... A uh, piece of gold of South Dakota. Oh, well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us, unfortunately. Thank you.